Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. When the kids call and they say, hey, Dad, can you pick up Skyline? I'm always like, absolutely. I'm halfway there because you don't have to tell me twice. That's the time for our family to be together, and Skyline's always been part of our family time. Josh Allen, looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Right now, I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Welcome into another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host today, Kevin Masseri. Here is always with Mike Bunt to talk Browns football, actually. Get into a little bit about Josh Allen and the Vikings game later on in the show here. And welcoming our guest, Pete Smith from Sports Illustrated here momentarily. So we're looking forward to that, uh, really getting his opinion from Browns Digest to really break down what's going on in Cleveland, where that team might be going, what are they looking for out of out of this game, Mike's already tweeted about some snow potentially in the forecast. It could be 70 feet or it could be nothing. So we'll have to see what that looks like uh, in, in a really crazy uh, scenario for Jacoby Brissett, where he might know the last player to play against the Bills in one of these crazy snow games. So we'll see if that takes fruition. Couldn't be more excited uh, for this game, Mike. First and foremost, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. A lot going on right now. We got Bills Browns coming up. The Sabres play tonight. My Ohio Bobcats can clinch the Mac East, which I know you would love, Kevin, as a UB fan. So let's go Bobcats playing Ball State, my wife's school. But I'm not going to bore people with that talk. Uh, it's Bills Browns, and we could have a lot of snow this Sunday. Yeah, and looking forward to uh, you know, I mean, that just it's, it sucks because that just changed the game plan of what you you, you want to talk about in this game um, with that weather element, and it just makes it really, as we know, with this weather, a really challenging situation. And someone that we wanted to get on the show today to kind of talk about, I mean, we'll do the best that we can with with the perceived weather situation. But Pete Smith, we're going to welcome Pete Smith on now. Pete, we really appreciate you making a few minutes to come on the show. Uh, really enjoy. Uh, hearing some of your commentary. So thank you so much for uh, having a few minutes for us today. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, I guess what we'd like to do with our guests is uh, tell me about the season to date. Like I've watched some Browns film. They've looked good at times. Uh, obviously have a really dynamic running game. Kind of break it down to why they're, you know, why they are where they are today. Yeah, I mean, the season is shaped entirely by the acquisition of Deshaun Watson. Uh, when they acquired him, 
and he his whole situation went into limbo. The Browns sort of approached it like 2022 was a get ready for 2023 season. They weren't going to invest a whole bunch of resources into free agents. Free agents weren't interested in really coming here because they had no idea what to expect from this team. Uh, you know, how, how excited are free agents going to be when they don't know his situation and they're looking at Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback. So in the end, they sort of pulled their punches on that front. They made the trade for Amari Cooper, which has been great. They've taken some shots with, you know, bringing a guy like Taven Bryan as a free agent who hasn't really been much. Um, but a lot of this season has become sort of an audition for some of these young players in certain position groups. Some of those have gone better than others. Their DBs are in pretty good shape for the most part, especially the corners. Defensive tackle is the worst I've ever seen in professional football. And that's saying something considering that the Browns had the worst defensive tackle position in football last year. So that has really shaped what this season become. They've given these guys every shot to sort of figure it out. But you watch some of these games and, and you, you see them do okay. Um, what I would point out is if you looked at like the, the, the uh, Ravens game or the Bengals game where the Browns played pretty well defensively, those teams either made themselves one-dimensional or the Browns did enough to force them to be one-dimensional. And if you allow the Browns to prepare for one thing, they can do okay defensively in stopping you. But what the Dolphins showed and what other teams have shown, if you're effectively able to, one, stand schedule, and two, be effective both in running and passing, the Browns are absolutely screwed because now they are asking their DBs to cover way too much ground. They're asking their linebackers to make up for the fact that the defensive tackles are just awful. And then you get into a situation where it became like this ridiculous-looking track meet where the Dolphins – and I think fairly look like a Super Bowl contender, but it became like a – it was – such a highlight tape for them that you almost have to ignore some of it because the Browns defense was just so bad. Hmm. Now, Pete, what is the the mindset of the Browns fan base right now? Uh, I'll preface it. I, I consider myself a little bit of, of an Ohio guy. I lived in Ohio for five years, uh, went to Ohio university, a lot of friends from the Cleveland area. And before the season, obviously I, I know there was a lot of the talk about Deshaun Watson. Was this a good addition? Um, would fans get behind it and so forth. But I would ask my friends and they were telling me early on, the goal was to try to hover around 500 until Watson came in and then possibly uh, make a run. It looked like in the first couple games, that might've been uh, a possibility. And the one thing that many people thought would hold them back would be Jacoby Brissett. But when you look at the advanced numbers, the Browns offense has actually been pretty decent from an advanced stats perspective, but the defense has just been horrendous. Was that, is that a surprise to you that it's played out that way? And is it being considered a disappointment at all by the fan base that they haven't gotten more out of their defensive unit with how the offense has performed at times? Okay. So start with the first part. September, the Browns should have gone 4-0. That was the expectation. That part of their schedule was bad. They started with Carolina. They tried to give away the game before they ultimately won it. They had a meltdown against the New York Jets. They were up two scores and blew that in historic fashion. 
they had an opportunity, they beat the Steelers and then they had an opportunity to beat the Chargers and it allowed it, the Falcons, I'm sorry, they had both those games in situations where they could have won those, let them, let them go. And suddenly they go two and two in an area of the schedule where the Browns thought they could really get out to a strong start. Two and two is a major disappointment. I think three and one was like the bare minimum for them to sort of look at the season and go, okay, they could sort of hang around. After that, their schedule went to an absolutely brutal stretch, and the Bills are obviously part of it. They start with the Chargers, then with the Bengals, uh, Ravens, uh, Dolphins, and it, you know, Bills. They've got the Bucks coming up off their bye week. So it's like a horrendously difficult stretch of games. So not getting off to a really strong start early really put them behind the eight ball initially. I think there was a little bit of, I would say, wishful thinking that the Browns could be a 500 team based on what they had. Um, certainly, Jacoby Brissett has played way better than anyone would have expected. He certainly out, uh, outpaced my expectations. And I do agree with the idea that we thought the defense was going to be better than the offense and that the offense was ultimately going to sort of be a letdown. And there certainly have been games where the offense ran out of gas or didn't do enough when the game was there to be taken. But realistically to have a arguably a top five to 10 offense with Jacoby Brissett with all the question marks they had, even on the offensive side of the ball, uh, not really knowing what they could expect from Amari Cooper, given what they dealt with, uh, you know, getting, mixed or mediocre returns from previous receivers they brought in, including Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, and others. You weren't really sure. He's been great. David Njoku has become a, a top tight end this year. After years and years of waiting, he's sort of come to fruition. Donovan Peoples-Jones has become a really solid third option, sort of growing into his own. And Jacoby Brissett is certainly not a dynamic and great quarterback, but if you give him time with a good offensive line, and the Browns have that, you have a good running game with Nick Chubb and the Browns have that. It allows Brissett to make pretty smart decisions in a scenario where teams are saying Jacoby Brissett has to beat us. We're going to stop Nick Chubb. If you can, if Jacoby Brissett can beat us, we deserve it. And in a lot of cases he has, and he's made some great plays. Oftentimes he's making some spectacular plays with his legs but again, we come back to the defense. Uh, defense the, the line of scrimmage is what is killing them. And they've dealt with some injuries, sure. Anthony Walker was a huge loss for them. But it just comes back to not being able to compete at the line of scrimmage, getting beat by running backs most fans have never heard of, uh, which isn't to say that they're bad. It's just most people sit there and look at some of these guys that they've been beaten by and go, I don't know who that was, uh, and then assume it's it's, you know, it shouldn't happen that way. It just sort of is what it is with their inability to, to, to hold up up front and allow teams that can mix and match their looks and stand schedule to combat that. That's sort of what's happening. So to your point about what are fans thinking they're frustrated? Um, I think even soberly before the season going, okay, I sort of understand they don't have the Sean Watson you know, you had to have somewhat restrained expectations. I think being in the heat of it, being in the middle of it, losing the the, the way they have, certainly this last game against uh, the Dolphins and losing so uh, significantly has allowed that to 
overflow and, and now they're looking for, you know, accountability, which, you know, comes in the form of firing guys. Joe Woods, the defensive coordinator, has been a guy fans have been trying to fire since he was hired, basically. So he's the easiest target. Uh, but more and more you're seeing some fans uh, get more frustrated and, and want to blow up the whole thing. I don't think that's per, – per, personally, I think that's unrealistic. I think Kevin Stefanski is a very good coach, but I understand why they're frustrated. And I do think that Deshaun Watson, both because of the suspension and then because of the off-field, is only feeding into that frustration. If he was playing and playing well, obviously in winning games, that would help. But I think just the, the, the stuff that went on is hard to take. It's indefensible. And even the NFL is calling it like egregious predatory behavior. Um, I, I think that is absolutely fed into a fan base that, that is tired of being sort of asked to wait longer for them to see the success that they, they've been waiting for, for, you know, since the team came back in 99. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what's interesting, I think Mike alluded to it previously, but if you look at the advanced statistics, they they are interesting, 13.3%, good for sixth in the league in offensive DVOA. You know, Mike also mentioned 31st in the league, uh, allowing 14.2% more uh, of a defensive presence. So in in a positive end, meaning obviously that would lower your ranking. So uh, there's definitely been some challenges on both sides of the ball, but mainly the defense. What do you think? Like, is there any? What do you want to see from this team going forward? Like, obviously, you have two games of Jacoby Brissett left. That heads you right into uh, uh, to Deshaun Watson season. Are you hoping that he comes back, world beaters? You win a bunch of games. Are you hoping he looks competent? Like, what 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 is the hope for Browns fans or yourself as uh, the season kind of kind of winds down? Well, the, the the important part about that is because the offense has been successful with Jacoby Brissett, they don't need Deshaun Watson to come in and perform miracles. Like, it's a good situation for a quarterback. Jacoby Brissett, I mean, if we just went down the AFC, I would expect – and you're just picking teams. Yeah, I think Jacoby Brissett probably goes about 14th right now uh, among quarterbacks, maybe. Um, you could probably quibble one way or the other, and, and, and somebody can make an argument that he'd be dead last. The fact that he's having as much success as he has suggests that Watson can come in and just run it, get confident, and, and figure it out as he goes. I think the the way the Browns are handling it, the way he sort of handled his off-field preparation is going to allow him to come in and be reasonably effective in terms of being able to play at a game speed, play, you know, not be surprised by what he's seeing. What I don't know – and I don't think anyone knows, I don't think Deshaun knows, is how he's going to react, you know, when he goes into Houston and he's got 60,000 fans who hate him. And, and, and you know, it's, it's not just that he's the opponent or that, you know, that he didn't sign with their team or he's not playing for them anymore. It is for reasons that, you know, people could understandably severely dislike somebody and they can say things they're going to be really hard to listen to. And I don't know, you know, I don't know how you do do that. And the, the contrast I would look at is like Ben Roethlisberger was really good at being the villain. And that's not, you know, I don't like Ben Roethlisberger, but that's a really unique skill. What I would contrast is, is somebody, you know, living in this area who watched LeBron go to Miami. When that initially happened, LeBron seemed to really like the idea that he was going to be the black hat. Oh, it's going to be fun to be the villain with, Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, and we're going to win all these championships. It didn't take long for him 
to really dislike that treatment and want to be, you know, loved again. And all he did was sign somewhere else. And maybe he made it sort of a cartoony situation when he did it. He didn't do like he didn't do anything illegal. He didn't hurt anybody like in a way, you know, in a real way, the way that Deshaun Watson has at least been accused of. And there's a lot of evidence to believe that. So Deshaun Watson's never been hated. I mean, whether it was Clemson or as a Houston Texan, he's always enjoyed a glowing reputation. And I don't know how that's going to go for him. But in terms of the football aspect, I think he's going to be fine. I, I think he's going to be able to play effectively. I think the supporting cast around him is going to allow him to uh, make a reasonably smooth transition. In fact, this week, I fully expect he's playing the part of Josh Allen to try to get up to game speed uh, for the Browns that, you know, now he's got to go against the the ones on defense with a scout team. I think that's going to help him, you know, get up to game speed quicker. He's going to have to make those reads against a real NFL defense and make throws. I think that's going to enable him to hit the ground in a way that's not going to look like he's trying to jump into the preseason. It's, is it going to be, you know, a beautiful game against the Houston Texans? Probably not, but they're not a great team. It's going to allow him to sort of get his feet under him. And I think they're going to have success. I think there's no doubt that, you know, he's better than Jacoby Brissett. I mean, it's not difficult to make that judgment to say he brings more to the offense. Like they're not going to be able to play eight in the box and just say, okay, we're going to play man behind or cover three, and you're going to have to pick his part. Deshaun Watson is going to eat that up. Just his presence on the field is going to make Nick Chubb more dangerous. It's going to create some more opportunities. So that part is certainly important. I think more than the fans, I think that that is big for the team. I think people didn't factor in how dispiriting it was for the team to go from thinking, oh, it's going to be a six-game suspension. We can get through this to the gut punch of 11. And he may well deserve it. He may well deserve never to play again. But I think from a psychological standpoint within that locker room, that was a, a punch to the gut. And whether or not they want to admit it, I think that had an impact on them and sort of their focus and their drive on the season. I do think that when he comes back, there's going to be a little extra juice in that room. It's not not a slight against Jacoby Brissett. I think he's a phenomenal locker room presence and and a a leader within that room. It's just Deshaun's a little different in terms of what that does for everybody else. I think that's going to be really interesting how the the final six games of the year go with Deshaun Watson for you guys, because obviously it doesn't look like playoffs are going to be in the picture, which takes off some of the pressure um, when he eases back in. But it is going to be about two years since he's played – live football and you would expect a little bit of rust. It's a good thing. The, the Browns have a, a solid running game, but next year, right away there, there's going to be expectations, especially with um, all they had to give up uh, to acquire him and then give him the, the guaranteed contract. But going back to the game on Sunday, the Browns rushing attack is obviously one of the best in the NFL, if not the best. And the bills have been uh, vulnerable against the run in recent weeks. With the weather forecast, with the possibility of not just a little snow, but a ton of snow, is that something that you believe would be advantageous uh, to the Browns to have a horrible weather game um, against Buffalo and kind of uh, even things up, dumb things down? Or would you rather see uh, 
a game where the weather doesn't make that type of impact. And one one more side note on that. The last memorable snow game in Buffalo was 2017. They played uh, the Colts, and they won a, a game in overtime. Uh, the starter for the Colts that game just so happened to be Jacoby Brissett. So it's kind of ironic, five years later, could be the worst snow game since that point, and the Bills will be going up against Jacoby Brissett once again. Yeah, uh, it's hard to really project what a snow game really means. If it just means there's, there's snow, that's, you know, I, I don't know that that's going to have a big impact on the game. If it's a, you know, a Buffalo, windy, Ralph Wilson-style stadium game, sure, that's going to have an impact. Now, even then, you know, the Browns are a power offense, and that's beyond their running game. Amari Cooper's 215 pounds. Donovan Peoples-Jones is – 210 pounds. David Njoku, assuming if he's back this week, it's 250 pounds. These, you know, that part of it might work to their benefit. The fact that they are big and they are not afraid to punish teams with the run blocking and run after catch stuff. You know, and Jacoby Brissett's a big guy with a, you know, giant hands. Like, is that going to matter all that much? It's difficult to say. Um, but obviously, you know, anything that sort of, leads the Browns into a game where both teams sort of have to run the ball more is probably going to be better for them, especially against a team like the Bills, because that would theoretically mean that Josh Allen is going to have the ball less. Obviously, he's a big part of their running game, but every time they hand it off, the Browns may look at that as a small win. So from that standpoint, maybe. Uh, but ultimately, I, I doubt it has a huge impact because the Browns' defensive issues – or I should say the, the threat the Bills pose is still going to force the Browns to be honest to the passing game unless, like I said, it, it's 20, 30-mile-per-hour wins and, and that knocks passes out of the air or makes it difficult for, for those guys to throw it. But both guys who are going to be quarterbacking this game have strong arms. Um, it's hard to, to, to know if that's going to be much of a difference. If it's, you know, if it ends up being like a game where the Browns and Bills in the past have had where it's, you know, nine, six type game, then yeah, I would say the Browns benefit from that, that, that you're asking Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt who are um, physically big in addition to being talented, obviously Nick Chubb's arguably as good as it gets. Um, can they physically move the bills down the field in a game where there's a lot of punting and all that stuff? Sure. Uh, but I, it's hard for me to say, you know, the, the, the snow is going to save the Browns or, or make the bills more vulnerable. I, I tend to doubt it. Uh, is going to make that much of a difference. And Pete, how are you looking at this game? Three or eight nothing yeah. tonight game. The Bills yeah. and Browns have played some of the worst football games head to head that I've ever seen. So hopefully we don't get one of those on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, I've been. To yeah, I mean the, the only thing I would add is like I, I have no idea who the Bills kicker is at this point, but uh, you know the Browns have a rookie kicker. Obviously, Cade York has a big leg. He never played in anything like this, so I don't. You know, that's another thing. I don't know how they're going to deploy him where they're going to feel comfortable. Obviously pregame is going to make a big difference in that, but he's a rookie kicker. This could be a game where kicking, kicking makes all the difference. Yeah. I mean, they come from Tyler Bass from Georgia Southern. Uh, he's been really good uh, in his Bill's career. Uh, he's shown propensity to play in these games and be decent, but this weather sometimes uh, we've seen Justin Tucker look bad in the playoffs a couple of years ago and he couldn't make a kick. And that's, that, that shows you how bad the weather really is. So when you have Justin Tucker, I think he missed the first time he's ever missed two, two in a playoff game or something. Um, so I think it shows you that uh, uh, it does. It, it might, it actually might even that out where 
if it's bad, no one can kick to some point where it's like extra points are very hard. So just to, that depends more on the wind element. Like we, I, I remember that scene uh, in the indie game where they were trying to move the snow out of the way. Um, and I mean, the kicks were still, I mean, they were still missing 25 yard field goals. It was insane. Uh, I don't know that it's going to get that bad. It is in the forecast, uh, Pete. It, it, they, they are talking between two, three, four feet, five feet. We'll see if that happens, if they can clear it, if it's all at one time or if they can clear it off before the game, it, it, it does have the potential to be something weird looking, um, which I know, I think everyone would say would favor the Browns in some form or fashion uh, if that was the case. But if not, obviously the Bills are still feeling pretty confident. What's your opinion on what you're looking to get out of this game from a Browns perspective? Are they trying to look good, get a win, feel good going into potentially Watson? Are they just trying not to embarrass themselves? Like where where do you sit at today with the Bills game as as you go into to Buffalo, New York? What what are you looking to get out of uh, this experience? Um, for the team, like is draft position in your mind now? Is there a wild card run that you're, you know, hoping for? I guess tell me about what what they're hoping for out of this game. Well, winning is important. There's no no getting around that. And the Browns, for all their faults, are capable of beating anybody. They've shown their, their the ability to to play close or or beat. I mean, they dominated the Bengals. They they played the Ravens really well uh, and lost and came up short. They, they, you know, they played the chargers really well, came up short. They've had their opportunities. They can do it, but ultimately, uh, you know, the postseason isn't really, was never a factor for me this year. You know, it would, would have been nice to, to, to make a better push than they have, but ultimately it's about improving. And the, the, just the way the dolphins were last week, I think the bills are the type of team where the Browns need to, especially on the defensive side of the ball, There's a reason Bowling Green State University is ranked number one in Ohio for student experience. Our in-demand degrees and life design program prepares students for their first career and their next. With an unparalleled support system at a national research university, BGSU offers an unrivaled experience, all on a vibrant campus in one of America's best college towns. It's also why Bowling Green State University is the number one school in the Midwest that students would choose again for the fourth year in a row. Need quality and accessible health care at a minimal cost? Get Antidote Health. We offer individual and family plans with zero co-pays for online doctor visits 24-7, pediatric visits, mental health care, and more. Some plans even have a cash-back benefit, and you'll get access to top-tier providers like Cleveland Clinic. Open enrollment has started, so sign up today at antidotehealth.com slash start. Dollar copays and cashback not available on all services or prescription drugs. Consult your plan for more information. Determine if they are if they have the goods to do it. And for all the mess that you saw with the Dolphins uh, game for the Browns, you can make a case that the corners held up pretty well. I mean, look, they they obviously went with a mindset of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill are not going to beat us. They combined for 110 yards on the day. Certainly lower than most everybody else. Every other game they've uh, those two have played, and they had far less in the first half. But they struggled with anything else. Um, so you want to see them compete and contend and look like they can hang with a team like this because everything they've been doing with extending Denzel Ward, with drafting Greg Newsom, with adding a guy like MJ Stewart, with uh, Grant Delpit on the back end, they've invested all of these resources into this secondary. You want to see them be able to hang with a team like the Bills or the Dolphins or stuff. Because if not, then, you know, what was it all for? The Browns may have 
a, a huge issue to deal with on, on the defensive line in the offseason. But those are areas where they can prove themselves. And, and Denzel Ward played, you know, he had missed the previous three games of the concussion. He played pretty well against the Dolphins. Those are the type of things they need to see. And on the other side of the ball, the offense needs to, again, this is a defense that uh, has been one of the lowest uh, scoring defenses in the league. They've been really good at keeping uh, opponents' uh, point totals low. The Browns have been pretty good at uh, getting getting going early. Uh, they're one of the best teams in fourth quarter offense. Uh, they have, I know they've outscored the Bills in the first quarter this season, uh, which is something to say. They, they, they're really good on, on opening drives, opening scripts, getting points early. The issue for them has been sustaining. Um, there are any number of games that have come out really hot in the first quarter, and then it gets slower and slower, and they, they sort of fall off at the end. Can they sustain against a team like the Bills with all the talent? And, and the Bills are obviously in a very competitive AFC East, uh, but they have Super Bowl expectations. So it's a big game for them to prove themselves or at least have the opportunity to prove themselves against this type of team. And, and the Browns as an organization are evaluating in this and saying, are figuring out who can and who can't. And the guys who can't, they're going to move on from and, and, and focus on the guys who can. So it's very easy to start. Look, as, as frustrating as this season is and your expectations are low when you have Jacoby Brissett playing 11 games and all the, all the rest of it, um, these games matter in terms of evaluation and growth even if this season has been sort of a dispiriting one overall. That's fair enough. And if you kind of look at it from a holistic standpoint, like obviously a Browns win, I mean, you never know. I, I think the bottom of the AFC wildcard perspective, uh, I, I think that there's some room to be had there. Who knows if the Jets keep it up, you know, who knows what the situation turns into as the last wild card, And with Deshaun Watson coming back, you never know a situation to where, there might be a wild card position up for, for stake. So there is still plenty to play for here this season. And what, how did they come out injury wise against Miami? So we know their injuries coming into that game. Do you expect Njoku back and what, what happened in the game and any, anything on the injury front as we had into Sunday? I wouldn't expect to see D'Anthony Bell, which he, he's uh, he, he suffered suffered a concussion, uh, I believe. I don't know if they ever actually confirmed that uh, on special teams. He's he's a big threat there. He's great on kick kickoff and, and punt coverage. Um, it, it's difficult to say with the Joku. Well, frankly, I thought he was going to play last week, coming off the bye. He uh, high ankle sprain. It's always difficult to tell because they made this big deal about him walking around on it, which isn't really an indication of anything. Like right <laughs> after it happened. But obviously uh, played on the safe side. Similar deal with Wyatt Teller. Wyatt Teller tried to go on his calf injury that he suffered, played a couple series, ultimately couldn't couldn't keep going, and they, they went to uh, Yelty Froholt. Um, it's unclear where, where that's going to go. I, I expect it's going to be a similar situation, obviously. Uh, the you know this is the game where you want Wyatt Teller to be in there, especially if it's a bad weather game. This is the game he sort of built for, just the you know the ultimate bulldozing power right guard uh, that can help open up some of those holes. But again, I mean you know you got the Dane coming in, uh, you know in, in in a in a in a weather situation that's pretty close to home for him. So those are the two that I you know you know I would say Najoku and and, and Teller are going to give it every shot, um, but it's hard to say that anyone else is really necessarily one way or the other. JOK missed last week with a knee. 
I have no idea where, where he has is as he's trying to rehab because he tried to play the week, you know, two weeks before in the Bengals game with the same injury. So whether he re-aggravated something or it's just sort of the process where they're monitoring him, hard to say. Okay. How about at the tackle position? Anything? Um, I mean, obviously you have Jack Conklin, but uh, Wills Jr., is he supposed to play based on your knowledge? Yeah, Wills uh, allegedly just twisted his ankle a little bit, and it got okay. to a point where it was out of hand, so they put in James Hudson the third to end that game. Uh, and, and obviously beyond whatever he did to hurt himself, I mean, Wills was abused uh, as bad as he has ever been in his career by Bradley Chubb. But, yeah, if – you know, if somebody can't go, James Hudson III becomes the next man up. He's promising, but he's not, you know, I think perfect world. I mean, he's the guy that they ultimately hope to start at right tackle next year after Conklin, but it's not easy for him to suddenly, you know, jump in on the left side or, or vice versa uh, that quickly. That's, that's, I guess that's a really important nugget. I guess, you know, we like to do this with all of our guests. We really appreciate you making a half an hour here for us. Why don't you tell us what your score prediction is? I mean, you can preface it however you want if you, you know, want to use the weather or not. But I guess why don't you tell us what you think is going to happen in this game and, um, you know, what's what's your expectation as you kind of study the Browns and you kind of put them up against the Bills this week? Yeah, look, it, it's, it's going to be tough on the Browns. I, I think they will have success early on offense because that's what they do. It would not surprise me if they get a touchdown the first drive of the game and then sort of peter out at that point. Um, it, you know, I expect they're going to probably end up around that 15 to 17 range in this game. I think the Bills are ultimately going to be able to score more points. Uh, again, if the threat of Josh Allen is going to open up running lanes, and even as anemic as that running game is, they showed some success last week against Minnesota. I don't expect it's going to get uh, worse against the Browns. The Browns have a habit of uh, making running games look very good. I think they're going to find some success there. If that happens, uh, I think the Bills are probably going to end up around somewhere around 24 uh, in that area, and ultimately it's going to be reasonably close to a one-score game. It might end up being about two. Yeah, that's fine. That, that makes a lot of sense. So why don't you also – obviously a lot of Bills fans on here would like to follow some Browns work as, you know, pretty close by and um you know as this the season rolls on like why don't you tell everyone where they can find what you're working on uh kind of what you have coming up uh we have a lot of pretty active fan base here yeah uh you can find me on twitter at underscore pete smith twitter uh you can find us at uh browns digest that's si.com slash nfl slash browns uh just dealt with the fallout of uh of a, of a solid thumping at the hands of the dolphins uh, <laughs> wrote about the one bright spot in Donovan Peoples-Jones this past week. So as we get going the rest of this week, it's going to be focusing on on the Bills, what that's going to look like, and and probably trying to to make something heads or tails out of, of what to expect with with the forecast. Yeah, that's it's definitely a pretty big factor in this game. So, uh, you know, obviously interested in, uh, you know, following on DPJ, got to follow him at Michigan through some of his stories. Uh, I seen a season with Michigan. Uh, he was focal point of that show. Uh, so it's uh, definitely, you know, a player that I've, I've, I've been excited to see develop. So just like the bills have with the receiver too, I'm excited to see uh, how that plays out in your receiver room as there's some talent there for Deshaun Watson, for sure. So uh, there's, there's going to be a lot to watch in Cleveland. Uh, not only this week, but over the, the, the remaining games of the season. So, Pete, thank you so much for coming on and giving us a half an hour. Uh, I really think that the Browns, if the weather goes a certain way, have a chance to, to really 
compete in this game. And um, so the bills have been known to, uh, to struggle in situations like they did in new England with crazy wins and, and, and the stadium brings out some weird scenarios, Pete. So we really appreciate you popping on. Uh, definitely going to follow your work and uh, appreciate you giving us a min- uh, minute here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'll talk to you soon, Pete. So Mike, um, you know, lots to break down there from Pete. Really. Yeah, a lot. It gave us a lot of nuggets there in the first half an hour. What do you take away from all everything uh, Pete was able to say? It, the Browns are just kind of it, it. It feels like some disappointment, but also that they had prepared themselves mentally for the fan base. That is, it's it's really surprising to me when when you really dig deeper into the Browns when you when you see the record three and seven. You're expecting a team that with the backup quarterback just hasn't been able to get it done on offense, but the numbers say the, the exact opposite. This is a team that has been very strong offensively. Number six, one spot behind the bills uh, in offensive DVOA, which I don't think anybody uh, would, would have thought going into this game, but it's the Browns defense that has been horrendous 31st in DVOA. (laughs) And when you look at uh, the matchup, this is where the, the weather can make an impact. Uh, I know we always caveat uh, PFF grades, but PFF has the Browns as one of the top running offenses in the NFL. And they have the Bills as one of the bottom rush defenses in the NFL. Now, I can argue with that because I don't think that's 100% accurate. Uh, Yes, the Bills have had some difficulties in recent weeks, but before that, the Bills were actually doing quite well against, against running teams. But if the weather is poor, which we'll, we'll see, who knows what we're going to see on Sunday. Uh, obviously, they're saying we're going to have anywhere from two to four feet of snow from Thursday onward. Uh, what is it going to actually be, one o'clock to four o'clock on Sunday? We'll see. But you would, you'd figure the worse the weather, the better odds Cleveland has. I'm, I'm not going to pick Cleveland in this game, but if it does come down to uh, a running contest, that does make things a little bit more uh, difficult. For the Bills, not saying the Bills can't overcome it, but uh, interesting to hear his perspective uh, on where things stand. Um, and it, I, I think this is going to be a ball game. When it, when it's all said and done, I think it's going to be a ball game because, uh, as we've said all last year, the one thing that bad weather, if it does end up being bad, does is it limits the Bills' passing attack. And surprisingly, the Bills actually have a good great uh, good grade running the ball. Uh, on PFF because Allen is such a, a dynamic uh, runner at quarterback, but uh, offensive line, when you got to depend on our offensive line, they're one of the lower rated run blocking teams. So that, that kind of <laughs> is an oddity where the bills can be one of the top uh, graded rush teams with one of the worst graded run blocking units. So we'll see Kev lots of digest and we still have to get to that Minnesota game a little bit and, and talk <laughs> we sure about issues from uh, there. So. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll transition it by saying Ohio is currently losing three to nothing. Toledo is about to go down 21, nothing to bowling. Green. Well, I I, I I'm okay with that Toledo result because that means all Ohio needs to do is get a win over Bowling Green next week and they're in. And Ohio is driving right now, Kev. So okay, all right. Well, Bowling. I don't Green, even want to talk about the Sabers. Yeah, Bowling and the Saber losing. U UB's putting up a fight-ish, twenty-five to twenty against UConn at the under four uh, in the first half. Twenty-five expected, to twenty. Yeah, expected it to be worse. They were actually leading oh. at, at at points okay. in the first half. So playing some good defense there from Jim Weitzel's squad. So 
lot, lots going on around Mid-American Maction. We got some some ranked basketball going on. We got some Sabres hockey. So there's we really appreciate everybody spending uh, some time uh, tuning into this. We you know kind of had Pete first, and then we're going to go into some Vikings talk because Mike and I definitely have some thoughts about that game. Uh, and just we got to talk uh, about Josh. Lot, lots of thoughts coming up on that. Can we but real start first, with Josh. Yeah, we can start with Josh, but real first, I wanted to hit you guys with one of our very special promotions. Hey guys, Cover One is excited to announce our new partnership with BetUS. BetUS has live wagering on all major games, the best betting variety in the business, and an easy deposit and withdrawal process with the fastest payouts in the industry. Our loyal Cover One fans get a choice between two exclusive offers, either a 125% sign-up bonus on your first deposit up to $2,500, or a free $50 bet with no deposit required. Just use promo code cover one on the links provided in the show description below. He's a natural, like he should be doing commercial voiceovers. Uh, Greg's a natural with that. Yeah. I think he likes it. I think he likes doing it. Maybe he's got a future, uh, uh, future in that. So, uh, but yeah, we really appreciate everyone tuning in and uh, check out that bet us promo. It's a great promo. Uh, We'll really uh, get you going with one free bet or match a really nice match bonus. So Mike, I'll let you, you, you seem fired up. You seem ready. Uh, I'm going to bounce the bounce pass to you uh, on the pick and roll. Why don't you tell us exactly how you're feeling on, on the Vikings game? And we'll start at the top with Josh Allen's performance. And what do you think? So I'm frustrated. I, I'm honestly pretty upset about that. Two losses in a row to two teams. I believe the bills are quite a bit better than, and it's just, you, you blow double digit leads against both of them. And for whatever reason, the second half performances have just been god awful, and I get it. Like there's there's things going on. Um, the Bills' defense obviously undermanned and struggling against the run the last two games. Josh Allen not seeing the field the way he needs to see the field, uh, forcing some things. But it's one of those things where you want to be harsh on them, but you also want to keep perspective. Like six and three. If you would have told me before the year six and three with how the schedule was shaping up, I would have told you, like, eh, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I can accept it. But six and three after you beat the Chiefs, you beat the Ravens, you crushed the Titans. It feels like they got through that tough stretch. And then last year, like I said, after they beat the Chiefs, they went three and five the next eight games. And that's what cost them a one seed. That's what cost them home field advantage. This year, you beat the Chiefs. And then you go one and two the next two games. I don't know if it's something where they have a mentality where they are investing so much into that singular matchup and they take the pedal off or if it's just just some bad luck. Because on on the one side, you want to look at it as your three losses are by a combined total of eight points against three teams that are combined 21 and seven. You have the strongest strength of victory. You have a very difficult strength of schedule. And you still are in a position where you should win the AFC East if you play the way you're capable of the rest of the season. So you look at it like that, you're like, calm down, don't overreact, things will steady out. But then the other side, you're looking at it, the Bills are 2-9 and in one-score games in their last 11. As much as we say show after show after show that those are 50-50 contests and that they're going to even themselves out over time, Maybe they won't because the one constant in the three losses the Bills have had this year is that they have had the ball with the chance to tie or win the game on the last drive in each of those games. And Josh Allen 
has fallen short each of those times. I'm not saying Josh is incapable of doing it. As we've seen, he's done it against Kansas City repeatedly. But I, it's almost like when you're boxing and you're playing in an, an inferior uh, inferior opponent or even basketball where you are the, the far superior team or athlete and you're letting someone hang in. Well, the longer they hang in, the more they're able to believe. Then the pressure goes from them to you. And for whatever reason, when they're in these pressure moments against what I would say lesser teams, something freaky typically happens. The Bills fail to convert fourth downs, a uh, fourth down in goal against Miami, uh, against the Jets, pressing interceptions, and then even against Minnesota, fumbling on the goal line, uh, and then throwing a late interception. It'll steady, but they're pressing for sure in these situations and not to keep going on and on and on. I don't think Josh is seeing the whole field. I don't think he trusts all of his wideouts. I think missing Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders is impacting this offense in more ways than we ever expected in the offseason because he doesn't have security blankets. He does not trust Isaiah McKenzie the way he trusted uh, a Cole Beasley. Dawson Knox is not getting open the way he did last year because he's uh, the situations that they're putting him out there. And you know what? You're, you're seeing Josh make throws that he should never in his right mind make. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's a mic rant for you. Um, lots to digest there. Yeah. A lot to digest. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, it's just lot, it's lots so to digest much. from Pete, a lot to digest from Mike. Um, good point there on, on Mike's rant 99 last uh, 18, one possession game. Um, lately it's two and nine um so you know that's because they won a lot of one possession games you know the year prior uh, in 2020 so do we get a jittery josh with no fans and he's able to think clear and not, not and get 2020 is different kind of 2020 like people always want to point out to 2020 they played oh that was the first year josh really ascended to that level there's no fans in the stands it's a it's a totally different experience um, and then 2019, when they were winning a lot of the one-score games, those were defensive-minded wins where you you weren't letting Josh just throw it all over the field. You had a run game. You let the clock burn. You trusted your defense. This yep. is a totally uh, different team. This is a team now that in the second half, with a huge lead, is still continuing to pass the ball 75% of the time. So, Josh, I feel like he sometimes is forced to play hero ball. I'm not saying you're seeing sugar high, Josh, but we the Bills are so dependent on him in their offense that mistakes are going to be made. And the difference that we're seeing now, like I said, this is I still believe it's all going to figure itself out. The difference we're seeing in this stretch right now compared to other stretches in the past is that Josh's mistakes are costing them gains. Yep. The interception he threw against the Jets in the first half took points off the board. Uh, it, it took an opportunity away. When we when the Bills lost to Miami, his fumble gave the Dolphins the ball in the red zone, leading to a touchdown in a game that was a low-scoring battle. Then again, against Minnesota, you fumble it, leading to a touchdown. You throw an interception that takes away uh, a potential uh, score. So Josh is still putting up amazing stats as far as yardage he's he's doing great but his turnovers 
are being they're not just your typical okay here's the turnover we're gonna still win by 10 his turnovers are killing the bills in these situations and even the the fourth quarter even in, in spite of all the turnovers they had a chance to milk the clock with four minutes left and they go three and out blame whoever you want you can blame josh you can blame the offensive coordinator but there are some issues with the bills offense and it comes from not having a slot receiver they can trust on trust and not having running backs in an offensive line that they think they can rely on when it matters the most. None of it matters if a converted corner to safety can knock down a very easy knockdown. That play is an overthrow. If Camelos runs off as, as a UB, we talked about UB earlier, they run off. If he runs off the field, like mid play, like Isaiah McKenzie did out on the goal line and just runs and stands out of bounds. It's incomplete games over. So breaking a rule, Kev, you're breaking a rule. What's we don't rule? criticize UB players on this show. I thought he played good. I thought he was in position at times. I thought he had a strong game. I thought a couple blunders showed up on film. Uh, a couple more might show up as we dissect some more of it. But trying to catch a ball that's meaningless, like it doesn't, Girl. like even it doesn't even give you field position. There's nothing that you could even rationalize, and that's why a lot of people will go back and say something like, "It, it, it how do you not tell players before that play?" There's zero reason to catch a ball right now. It's fourth and eight. It's not fourth and one. That'd be a little different. Then you got to go on ball. It's fourth and 18. He's throwing the ball up like he has to, like Josh did in the end zone and Patrick Peterson picked it off um, in, in, um, in the fourth quarter on fourth down as well. And that was fourth and two. He's throwing the ball up like he has no other options. Knock the ball down. The game is over. There's no reason you look good knocking it down as you do an interception. You're not going to get paid more. Uh, I just, I just, I don't know how that doesn't get transcribed, kind of like 13 seconds. I don't know how that doesn't get transcribed to at least the DBs. Like, it's hey, guys, down. situational awareness combined with one of the most amazing catches I've ever seen. You look at that replay, it looks like there's no chance Justin Jefferson can get a hand on that ball. To reach back and pull that in and have the ball control going to the ground it's one of the best catches I've ever seen in my life. I mean, life. I thought for sure it hit the ground. I, I was just like, it doesn't Cam matter. Cam played it, but I also understand why he thought in the moment that Justin Jefferson had no chance at actually catching that ball. Yeah, I mean, fair enough. But it's a mistake. It's, he should have knocked it down. I mean, you got to knock the ball down. There's no other way around it. The Bills, how about this? Um, you know, I believe that that was pass interference on Dawson Ox in the end zone. No doubt. You can't call it against Justin Jefferson literally the series before and then ignore the, the same exact play. Now, I'm fine with the no call, and maybe this played into it because they had 12 guys on the field <laughs> um, on, on, on first and goal from the two. Now, is it that big of a penalty? Is it that big of a penalty for one yard? No. But knowing what the play is um, and knowing that they get stopped, it's a bigger deal than it would have been. Uh, it's, it's just completely – that's why the play had got blown up. That's an egregious job by the officials that get paid a lot of money both ways in this football game. That's pass interference. I mean, it's a hundred percent pass. You can't, you can't, there's many angles. There's many views. You just called it the series before that's pass interference, a big mess uh, from an offensive minded league. That's where Josh pressed and then threw the interception on the following play. Um, but that play is pass interference. You got to make the call. And it, earlier in the game, it's 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 twelve men on the field. You, you not only didn't count it in the in the in the huddle, you let them play the whole play and still miss, and then didn't review it. Israel is five thousand six hundred ninety miles away from the U.S., eleven hours by plane. 
Hate travels faster. In a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. It's the Smucker's Uncrustables Radio Hour with round soft pillowy bread filled with delicious PB&J. Here's your host, Uncrustables. Caller on line three. What's eating you? No one. Crust, is that you? Ugh. Uncrustables are the best part of the sandwich. Sorry, Crust. I mean, it's... it's That's not even the biggest screw-up. The, the Gabe Davis non-review is at least at least like at least it's moving fast it looked like a catch in real time the bills bills had the breaks in this until that pass interference they the bills absolutely you know what those passes are 50 50 calls you're not going to always get it the fact is you are when they called it for them even beyond the two because of pass mike they were on the two because they called pass interference if they called the 12 men on the field on the bills the vikings get first and goal at the one they're probably cashing in a touchdown you think so but they didn't four plays on the previous drive yeah and you you know another play that we do need to talk about because there is a little bit of a debate on it and i know Everyone's going to have a different opinion than me. I don't think, okay. We all knew the bills were going to QB sneak it after the fourth down stop. And we always say the QB sneak is the easiest play to execute in football. And yes, we look at the numbers on fourth and inches, third and inches, and the percentage that they convert. I think there's enough history now with Josh Allen and the Bills to know that when there is a crucial quarterback sneak is the furthest thing from an automatic at this point. Josh Allen. Especially hurt. Josh Allen now has had two fumbles at the goal line that have led to touchdowns for another team. No other quarterback has done that. Josh had the fumble against Dallas where he picked it up, was able to force his way for the first down. But got lucky there. You have the Tennessee QB stumble where he gets stuck. What do all of those plays have in common? It's pressure cooked moment. QB snake. Closing hand quick or not getting a good snap and messing up an easy execution. A quarterback sneak on paper should be the easiest thing in the world. But when they're tight in the box, it's not that you don't trust Josh to get the move forward and, and move the ball. It's the the basic things, just corralling a snap. Yeah, and corral a snap. And I I know fans are Eric disagrees with me. The cover one guys disagree with me. I wouldn't have been against Shaka spreading it out in that situation. And if Minnesota keeps their guys spread up, have Josh rush up behind the center, snap it. Try to get One a play yard. Two yards. If they if they jumbo it, they, they they put all the men in the box. I don't even care if you jump off a pass because you know what? What is the bread and butter of this Bills team? The passing game. Yeah. What do you trust them more to get two yards on a pass? Josh and Josh and shotgun making a play. That's what I trust. So on first down, Minnesota has one timeout, and like I said, ninety nine percent of football minds. Disagree with me on this, and I'm okay if they disagree with me on this. 
First down, Minnesota has one timeout. It doesn't kill you to try one pass. It really doesn't. And if you get two yards, then you have the, the enough yardage to kneel it or do a QB sneak, and the game is over. I know that the QB sneak should have been automatic, but the Bills have shown with Josh Allen it is not automatic. So even though people want to say, oh, it's a 99.9%, that only happens 0.1% of the time. No, it doesn't. Josh, in big moments, has messed up a QB sneak four times. It happens. And they also don't, and they're also very good when it doesn't matter. He's very good at it. So the statistics would show you that I think prior to the Tennessee game, this is back to the Tennessee game, one of your four examples, they had never, uh, they'd been, they'd been stopped once in his career. Um, yeah. So what uh, did the, 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 common the second being the Tennessee game, the common denominator and all these things that go against need the habit situations, because what do we always say? Well, like, and we're very number numbers based. Like I will defend the numbers all the time, but when we're talking about 50-50 games, like the one-score games, the numbers would say it should even out. Well, why haven't they? In the QB sneaks, the numbers say should be an easy first down. Then how come in crucial situations we have seen him fall short in back-to-back years? Because those are pressure-cooking situations. Josh has admitted that he pukes before every game. Josh has admitted that sometimes he gets too amped. Josh is a great quarterback. He is one of the best athletes at the quarterback position the NFL has ever seen. And what makes him great is sometimes what costs the Bills in these games. He gets too pumped up. He closed his hand before the ball even came to it. And I guess they were saying that Gabe Davis, I think, gave him a little bit of a push early. He's running. He's going forward before he even gets the ball. And I'm not a quarterback. I can't break down film like Eric and all that other stuff. But what we often talk about in our cover one conversations is that the Bills need to be able to calm him down or bring him back to bring him back sometimes. Like sometimes he just he gets too far out there. Um, the Bills had a stretch last year where they lost five out of eight games. They fell to seven and six overall. When Josh is doing things the way he's supposed to, he's almost undefendable. But sometimes he gets in these ruts where it's a couple games here or there, and this type of stuff happens. No reason to panic. It's going to all settle itself out, and the Bills are going to be fine. They're going to win the AFC East. They're still going to have a home field in the first round, and they could win it all. But this is something to be concerned about slightly. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I wanted to address the safety point. This is a big topic of this play. You definitely don't do it on first down. I mean, you run around one play, you throw it away. You run around the second play, you throw it away. You run around the third down, you throw it away. And you run around a fourth down, and then you kneel it. So I guess there, there's some ability there to do that. Um, I think that the argument against that would be – Ken Dorsey Dorsey saying himself that short field on a punt and then a field goal. The Dolphins did it to them, actually, in a very similar spot. The Dolphins were like, nah, we're not messing with this. It did get blocked, um, but at the end of the day, they didn't fully mind it. I I still still say this, and and some people disagree. I wish they got the punt off because the Bills would have had the ball at the 40, 
yes, they would have needed the touchdown. I do think that that would have been a better scenario. Uh, and I think in this situation for the bills, uh, it's you're, 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 you're hoping for a punt that is as good as Miami's was in 120 degree temperature, the ball flying through the air, uh, in this situation, I don't know that you're going to get the ball down to the 20, like the, like the dolphins were able to do on their free punt. You know, you're talking about the 40, um, and then needing 20 yards. I don't know. I don't think it's a very good a bad decision because yeah. you have, if you tell an NFL coach, it's not world shattering, but it's not something you do deliberately. Here's the thing. Justin, Justin Jefferson, we all know it. We, we all watched the game. He was covering the bills. You're, you're telling me Can't you trust the bills defense in that scenario to stop him from making a chunk play. Maybe they do. All they need is one chunk game and then they're kicking a field goal and they have a chance to win. Coaches want to be in a position where they can control the outcome. They decide their own fate. I think they the don't want to situation leave. is only if you're in trouble and you yeah. need to do it. It's it's it'd be a different thing if the safety put yourself in a three point lead where they could only get a, a field goal to tie the game. A safety in that scenario would have given Minnesota a chance to win the game, and there was still time on the clock. I'm not a fan of it in that situation. There's other times where I, I could get behind it, but I don't think an intentional safety in that scenario was the, was the right move. I think, like I said, I would have liked the shotgun situation, try to spread them out yeah. and and just get a couple yards because it's not like we don't see the bills get yards in these situations all the time. When the bills, yeah, we're not this yard strap team. And yeah, like we've seen the Bills go on 98, 97, 98 yard drives before. The the difference is when you're in the first quarter and you do the QB snake, you're probably going to get the yard. In the fourth quarter, game on the line, everybody is tense. Well, look it, look it at a situation the where the, the Vikings needed to do it too. They couldn't QB sneak it either. They didn't fumble, but it was the same thing. Yeah, Kirk, like, Cousins, oh, Kirk Cousins couldn't get in. Like he 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 couldn't get in. They had. They had really a oh, they had a, they had an offside. They really had five plays to get in the end zone. This game was the most frustrating game of the season, just because this game was over. And uh, another crucial, critical call in this game was when they went for it on fourth and two. And a lot of people back and forth was it you a win good the call, game if you get two yards though. You win the game. Yeah. I don't know what the analytics said. I, whether it was a good call or a bad call, I'm all for going for it on fourth and two in that situation. I understand people. We're saying if you kick the field goal, you force them to get two touchdowns. Minnesota ended up getting two touchdowns anyway. What McDermott, why he went for it in that fourth and two was to make it a three possession game and to effectively end it. You're trusting that your it's over. MVP candidate franchise quarterback, Josh that. Allen, is going to end the game for you. And you, you can't have it both ways. You can't be a fan base that's, calling for them to be aggressive, 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 and then get mad when they decide to be aggressive and they fail to execute. Because I'm going to take that bet nine out of ten times that Josh Allen is going to make a play. And I'm all for him putting the ball in the air. I just think the way they go to the air has to change up a little bit. Um, there are some things with Dorsey that we've been talking about lately that they're concerning how the Bills are attacking some teams. Um, Patrick Peterson and granted, it, it is Patrick Peterson, and we've been told he likes to talk himself up in his film review. He even said on the, the final play of the game, his interception, that he basically knew it was coming. And I think there's a little fear that at times the Bills offense is becoming a little bit too 
too predictable. Not saying they're not successful, not saying they're not really good, but the defenses have caught up a little bit to what Josh Allen and the Bills are doing. And now it's time for the Bills to make an adjustment to what defenses are throwing at them. And what's funny is the same scenario happened in Baltimore, the same exact scenario, same points that they were down, same situation where they were up. We just felt like it didn't really matter. It wasn't as dramatic. Clearly the same plays happened an interception in the end zone when it could have been, they could have the ball deep in their own zone. Jordan Poirier, we get it on the 20. Same thing happened there. He runs it out to the 35 Isaiah McKenzie sitting on the bench mid play doing, I don't know what's going on. Isaiah does deserve to get called out on that. That was, I, I know fans were like, you tackle he the second he got out of the end zone. I'm like, all right, that's not bad. He's going to get tackled at the three. Yeah. He goes to the 33. Isaiah, the person that tagged Isaiah shouldn't have tagged him because that's just ridiculous. Don't tag players when you're doing the criticism. They're hearing it in the locker room. They're hearing it in film review, but that play by Isaiah was unacceptable. Yeah. First of all, he gets, he goes out of bounds. I get it to him. The play's over his chance at getting a touchdown's over. He doesn't move an inch from the time he goes out of bounds. Then the Josh second he sees that pass thrown, he should be running onto the field, making a play to knock it down. If, yeah, right. you, and that's what Greg was saying the other day too. He could have knocked it down. And granted, whatever. He's probably thinking it's a fourth down. We're not going to – we're still losing the ball. That was one of those momentum-changing plays where even though it only ended up being like what, like a 20-yard – change in uh field possession uh 30 had, had quite the impact and from that point on the bills offense didn't do anything until the final drive of uh, of the second half to force overtime yeah and the field goal the field goal crowd got the, the got the best possible scenario for like being a field goal guy there because bad play interception bad play on the return by the receiver josh the goes team, down josh, josh <laughs> goes down the josh goes down dawkins is down the team goes back and scores. They're they're winning. A field goal would have won the game at the end then had you taken a field goal. The Bills got lucky that the Davis call wasn't over. I'm still not going to rule out with an incomplete pass there. So plenty of time on the clock for the Bills to get, to, to get into field goal range. I'm not going to sit there and say the game was over in that situation, just like I'm not going to say that for sure the Bills win with a pass interference in the end zone. Uh, first and goal on the one with the Dawson Knox interference. That was interference. Yeah, nobody um, so, it was over. Anybody saying it was over just because Gabe Davis dropped, you got Josh Allen. You could still get another chunk play and, and get up. You get a touchdown. Play. Yeah. The only I, difference I, is in that scenario, you're not going to have another play after that where you try to go for the win in the end zone. And that's exactly what the Bills wanted. That pass interference on the final play before the, the field goal to force overtime. I'm just thinking in my head right there, the Bills thought they had him. The Bills thought they had a touchdown. They thought they had the game winner right there. And credit Minnesota for committing the pass interference, knowing especially in that time, in that situation. Time left. If it's forty-five seconds, though, it's it's over. The game's yeah. over. Um, and that's what but, I've always been claiming for the Bills in situations like that. If there's not enough cl- clock and they don't have timeouts in that scenario, just tug. Like whatever, they're going to kick the field goal in the next play anyway, and you prevent a touchdown. That's all that matters. It doesn't matter if you give up. 10 yards, whatever. You're going to most likely make the field goal anyway. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a good play. I don't, I don't know. That would have been a touchdown when I watched it back. I'm um, not positive, um, but either way, it, I mean, it's still the right play to tug them um, and to, to make sure that it's not. And there's still some analytics that say um, that it's not the worst play in the world to go for it there. Uh, Cause you end the game, just the same thing that you were thinking fourth and two on the other <laughs> end, just I, like it's not bad I, analytics. I, I would, a, 
aggressiveness says the reaction from Bills fans if they did. And they, they lost whatever. The it's no different than them throwing an interception in the game either, though. Like the reaction there, but right obviously now. they wouldn't have Bills fans wouldn't have known about how it would have right. played out in that scenario. And but we do, but we do in hindsight know how it would have played out in that scenario. So I'm saying looking back on it now on a situation where you're like, you could have just gone for it. Um, and there was five seconds, by the way, Brian. Yeah. So I don't know. A penalty. Anything could happen. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't hate the, I'm, I'm not saying that they should have gone for it to end the game, but you win it there. You're rolling on this drive. You just had said they, they prevented a touchdown with an interference call. They were rolling on that drive. Another play Gabe Davis needs to make my friend. He needs to make that touchdown or excuse me, that catch. That was a drop. Although it was called a catch. You can't have that again. You can't have that drop. There's no reason to go to the ground. And it, for, it wasn't a, a, a really terrible throw that was bobbling. He can't take that to the ground and had it hit the ground there. That's an egregiously miss. And yes, the Bills got away with it anyways, Mike. But that's just another play that could have cost the team big um, if that was reviewed. So, and, and talk about that fourth and uh, the second and 10 interception that sealed it. What, what were your thoughts? Obviously, not a good play when it's an interception, but was there anything you saw that could justify the throw Josh made? Or he was makes it that throw really- all the time, though. Like Patrick Peterson cheated on the play. And the thing was, as we've talked about, there was no one in the quarter's coverage to take away Patrick Peterson from that throw. Josh didn't know that. For some reason, I'm not sure why he thought there was somebody there. I'm not sure who was supposed to be there to draw coverage away. It did seem like three guys condensed in a field on a 10-yard span between Quentin Morris, uh, Stephon Diggs, and Gabe Davis. Uh, Dawson Knox is out of the game, so we don't know exactly what was supposed to happen. I don't, I don't, I, it's a double cross or a mesh play that generally worked. Patrick Peterson cheated based on tendencies, as he's told us. What do you think he should have done on that play? I obviously, it's easy to say he should have just flipped it to, to Singletary. Like, that's obviously the, the, the cliche answer, but it's the right answer. Singletary was not out of his block yet by the time Josh was winding up. But yet, Josh was winding up prematurely. Okay, that's a better argument than Singletary being open. If he I was think, lining up prematurely, that's fine. So we, but, we've been talking about it. I don't know if you've been part of the back and forth or not, but Aaron, Eric, myself, all the cover one guys, we, we're always talking about stuff on either the Slack channel or Twitter DMs and back and forth. And one of the things that was brought up was, obviously people saw the screenshot where there's no one within five yards of Devin Singletary. And – uh, the first response was that, well, Singletary wasn't past the block when Josh was winding up. And Eric's response was, that doesn't matter. Josh shouldn't have been winding up at that point. He should have known that Singletary was going to be there. And anything would have been a better decision than what he was he, he was throwing into. My belief is similar with that. Josh forced something that didn't need to be forced. It was second and 10. Worst case scenario, you, you, you think is an incompletion. You just get third and 10. You dump it off to Singletary, you get five, six yards, third and manageable. The game didn't need to be won in that play. The Bills still had a minute 20 plus. I got, I got, I got a question for you, Mike. Let's say they get that five yards, the next play, incomplete pass in the end zone. You go for it. it. You go for it. So this, you go for it there, but you didn't go for it at the end, at the end of the game. And, end the, end the game. I don't want to hear any Bills fan telling me that they would have kicked the field goal. They would kick the field goal in that situation. First of all, I don't know. God, that 
God, that would be such that's a, the same. It's the same thing in the beginning of that. Scenario, we just talked because, about it, though. We just talked about it at well, the yes, end of the game. A tie is better than a loss. But I look at it as you enter the game with two losses. Kansas City enters with two losses. The tie, you're suddenly a half game back then. Do you trust your offense to get five yards, or do you kick a field goal knowing that you have no chance of winning? In the but only you know what it does? It gives you the tiebreaker in your division. Yes, it doesn't help you against Kansas City. Absolutely not. It helps you in the situation where you're now one and one against the Jets. You're one and one against the Dolphins. The tiebreaker's out the window. So the you question just, is, you just earn the tiebreaker right. back. But do you, do you trust Miami's going to get to 12, 13 wins? Yes. I think it's possible. And, I, and I'm not a Miami guy. I, I, I think it's possible. Do I think that they do? Mm, it's tough for me. They have a, they have a hard little stretch here. I'm um, God. I, you know, it's, it's one of those. We talked about Mike, Mike on this way. show. Mike on this show, goal, we talked about them. We talked about the Dolphins. If you the goal, you're stretch. grilled. They're grilled anyways. Are you grilled if they miss fourth and five? They're grilled on the play that Allen threw on the interception. They're grilled. Like in almost all scenarios, they're grilled. And I trust all... they would go for it. It depends where. It depends if it single. You got fourth play and five from the opponent's 15 yard line. Where at the at worst they're going to go out and they're going to try to force yeah. a fourth and five outside. from the fifteen. Yeah, the, that's the first thing they're going to try to do. They'll probably go out there try to get him on a hard count. Sure, timeout, and then then call a timeout. Hopefully, see what they're doing, and then they got to make the decision. What's the what's the best scenario? I think you you when you have an alpha like Josh Allen. I know this goes against everything I was just saying about honing him back. I think sometimes there you just go. have to – you got to show him That's why I'm faith. never going to, to distrust. Was that throw bad? It was a bad throw. Eric's right. He should have dumped it down. But what happened against the Jets? He thought Davis was running a route that he didn't run, and he threw an interception. So he was trying to avoid a scenario where he didn't know where Singletary was, and rightfully so. Yes, we can knock him for going through his progressions too quickly or not going top down. But you can always scramble though. He was running the ball. I like the scramble. See, I don't like the Singletary play because well, what's happened? The Singletary, you know, he. I don't like the Singletary play. Yards rushing on the drive I like, already. I like, I like a three to eight yard rush or more. Um, I don't like, and it gets the clock moving, which is a good thing for sure. And back to the scenarios, I think for sure, if it's fourth and five, I think it matters if there's a minute on the clock or one second on the clock. Because if there's a one second on the clock, I think you have more of a propensity to kick it. If there's a minute on the clock, I think that you go for it because you know that the Vikings will get the ball back. I do think that that factors into the risk scenario because you just mentioned all the reasons of Justin Jefferson just a minute ago. You give them the ball back. They don't need much to get into field goal range against their feasting on your DBs uh, for a little bit there in the second half. No Tremaine Edmonds. I think that matters. I think you go for it if there's 50 to one, uh, 50 seconds to 60 seconds left. I don't think you do if there's one second left. That's the difference, or or under five, we'll say. I don't think that you do. So I think that the clock, uh, the the factor of do they get the ball back or not, would have played a role in that decision. And I would have liked, to, and I was going to ask this and present this on Twitter, and then they threw an interception. Like, do you go for it on fourth down? Um, and it, this would have been the biggest talk. I I had this narrative ready and ready for the show. Do you go for it on fourth down um, outside of the Bills winning, which I thought was the, actually the likelier scenario. Um, I was ready to talk about this fourth down situation. I had all these notes for it. And I was like, okay, well, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, so. I got a fun one for you too. So fans were happy 
when the Vikings missed the extra point. I wasn't quite as happy. I, I thought about that. Because this might be surprising to people, but sometimes having a three-point lead, you actually have – it can be tougher to win a game than having a four uh, – I'm sorry, I'm, I'm mixing this up. Having a four-point lead can be tougher to win the game than a three-point lead. Because traditionally, when teams are down three with about a minute, two minutes left, they tend to be a little bit more conservative. They're playing for the tie. They're content forcing overtime, and it, it defies all logic, but as long as they force overtime, they feel like they did their job. When you're down four, you have that extra motivation. Extra the extra down. Match. You have an extra down. You yeah, have, an extra you have down. four downs, and what typically happens that fourth play can make a huge difference. And we saw it. Justin Jefferson making that play on fourth and 18 or fourth and 19, whatever it was. And yes, that drive eventually did die down on the, the Bills half yard line. But the Bills messed up the next the next snap and the damage was done. I don't think the I Vikings think risk the Bills, it. I think you're right. They do I, try to kick a field goal. I think it. if Minnesota makes that extra point, very good chance that they settle for a field goal, the Bills get the ball with around a minute left, and they win the game with a field goal. That missed extra point is something that nobody will ever talk about. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But I feel like that had a bigger impact on the Bills losing the game than the fourth and two call. I think that missed extra point mattered more to the Bills there than going forward on fourth the pro- and two. The problem mattered. is one was your control, one was their control. So I think it's tough to talk about because it was a missed play by them that ended up in your opinion, hurting him. And I think analytically, you're right. It gives you another down. It makes you make decisions, makes you more aggressive. It makes you probably better. Like just like the, you know, the kind of scenario where you really can do anything and that makes you dangerous. You had the timeouts. I don't believe they press in a lot of those situations and, and put the ball in harm's way at times if it's only a field goal. So yeah, like, I don't know what happens in that game. Do they even throw it up to Jefferson fourth and 18? They might try something else to, to just get 18 yards. Um, so I don't, I don't know what would have happened in a situation where the Vikings only needed three points, um, and made that field goal. So that's, that's a good point. Counter counter wise. Um, I just think that you kick a field goal if you're the Vikings and that would you, what you have been playing for. So you're probably right. Right. But it's easy to say because everything else went wrong for the bill. So yes, that and is- then it shouldn't have mattered either way. Like you're saying, like, do you trust the bill's defense to get a stop? The answer, the answer you're, the answer you're saying yes. yourself is no. You're not. Yeah. You're, you're, no, because no. Because, I, I mean, in that situation, I wasn't because yeah. 
Tremaine Edmonds going out of that game huge. for the second half huge. made all the difference. He was, he was a huge defense, part of the game plan. They are down too many players in the secondary to also be handicapped by missing a linebacker. We've seen it back-to-back weeks. It, it used to be if they don't have Milano, you'd be worried. Now it's if they don't have either of them. Just all it takes is one of them to be out, and you're concerned about the middle of the field. And it's one of those things where the defense is still playing very strong, but uh, it's, it's just so frustrating to see how Minnesota went from being kind of handicapped in the first half where they, they were really struggling to to move the ball up and down the field and almost became unstoppable uh, late in the game. And you, you just go through all the lists of people gone, no Trey, no Kair, uh, no Tremaine in the second half. Obviously, Mike is out for the season. Poyer is out. No Rousseau. And it's 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 getting to to make an impact right now. And that's why it was so frustrating because when Vaughn and Vaughn gets the sack and you set up the fourth and 18, you're like, oh, they're going to find a way to escape this. They're going to find a way to hold them and make that stop. And God, I, I saw a comment early. The Bills needed about seven things to go wrong for them and all – seven things did and Mike I tweeted at the Dolphins game I I had a list ready to go for this game but I didn't want to fight with because Vikings fans are bad too they've been in my mentions all week um I didn't feel like fighting with Dolphins and again Dolphins fans too I didn't feel like fighting with Dolphins and Vikings fans so I didn't want to list reasons uh because then they just excuses but they needed let's go through them real quick what did they need Mike they needed a Hail Mary toss in the middle of the field which was even more egregious than the luck chuck DeAndre Hopkins won that ball in Arizona he won the ball in this game, in, in this game, and Cam then the 84 yard t- cook touchdown run because that literally kept they eliminated no. Clock. I'm even giving, I'm even going to give that one to them as just bad Bills defense. I'm just going to say that happens in part of the game. I'm not going to call that bad luck. I'm just going to call the egregious things that happened a no knockdown Hail Mary. Okay. That's, that's ridiculous. So that's just what it takes to even be in the game, not win it. It takes a fumbled snap. Um, it takes them recovering it in the end zone, not even just a fumble, them recovering it and running um, one play in that situation, them not even having to earn it. Um, so that's that's ridiculous. And, and almost back-to-back situations, that's what it needed. It took five plays down at the red zone to even make this happen. Um, it took an offsides. It took a, 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 just an incredible scenario where it would have given the Bills more time on the clock uh, to go and win the game. So now it took about – it took all these scenarios to, to lower the time on the clock. Um for the Bills to use all their timeouts, to fumble it, to 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 not recover the fumble, to have a botched snap. I mean, the the list of Edmonds going out. So if you want to talk bigger things, like you just said, the the, the touch, Cook touchdown run, Edmonds going out in the middle of the game. Like it just took a crazy amount of 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 thing, a pass interference against um, Jefferson. That I don't think you can call that there, but that's fine. Uh, you did. So, and then a not call on, on Knox, an interception read where he should have dumped it. Like, it just took a, a, a list of things. You know, you know what the Vikings are this season? They're the reverse Buffalo Bills, where DVOA. They're the Bengals thinks, of last year. They, they think DVOA thinks the Bills are great, the best team in football, but it seems like luck goes against them. It seems like these crucial plays go against them. They, they struggle in these one score games, but everybody else, they're dominating. The Vikings are a team that's eight and one that DVOA is like, you guys probably aren't this good, but they're winning almost the Brown every one score the, the game. Bengals. They're the making Bengals. every lucky play. 
they're getting every situation to go their way when it matters the most. So I, I'll call the Vikings the the reverse Bills. They're the and I give them credit. Congrats to them on beating the Bills. They made the plays. Josh Allen and the Bills didn't. But there are going to be people that are going to see their eight and one record and their eventual thirteen and three record or whatever it ends up being at the end of the year, and they're going to anoint the Vikings as one of the contenders that can make a run. And they're going to be wrong about it because when the Vikings – They're going to lose to Dallas in the first If they game. play the Bills in a Super Bowl, the Bills will win by 20. Eventually, things will even out. Even though I said earlier, we need the Bills – They're going to lose by the 49ers in the first round. They're going to lose to the 49ers in the first round. That's yeah. my prediction. I'm going to chop that up if that happens. They're going to lose to the 49ers in the first round. They're not talented enough. Justin Jefferson's ridiculous. Um, and why – I don't – Sloppy football isn't a one-handed backflip over a safety to catch it and not hit the ground. It's a good individual effort. It's not sloppy. Would we have liked to see Cam Lewis knock the ball down? Of, of course, it's easy to say. But him going up and making a nice interception, just like you said, he didn't think anyone was behind him. He didn't think there was even a chance. Coming down on the ball for a nice exclamation point. I get it. I get it. Um, the you only time it I don't very get often. It. It's not like yeah. he's the first player to go for the pick when you should bat it down. Uh even even Peterson, even Peterson, like, like you can bat it down in the end zone to the first interception I'm talking about. And like, how many receivers actually make that catch? Like that's two a one. I mean, Diggs. That's a one or two players in the league. Tight, Diggs is on your team, so there's literally one. He happens to be the guy that you know you're responsible for on that play. So, but you still don't expect even Odell Beckham Jr. or whoever that has you know highlight real catches. Terry McLaurin's had a couple. Like you don't. Expect there was an OBJ he, update. By the way, yeah. Which one? The one that said. So obviously, he said uh, through Drake Glazer that he wants to take a couple of weeks off, right? And then try to make a decision near the end of the month. I I read somewhere the New York Post thinks it's going to be between the Cowboys and the Giants. Now that's because some some ex coach was guessing. It wasn't actual anything rooted from OBJ. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. Because I look at this Bills team right now, and I think <laughs> it's funny. Beginning of the year. It was just a fun hypothetical. We both liked the idea. We thought it made sense. Right now, that is becoming a necessity. I'd almost say OBJ, if healthy, could be the difference in the Bills winning the Super Bowl or or losing in the AFC Championship against a team like the Chiefs. OBJ, healthy OBJ, instantly changes this offense. Now the question is how healthy is he? But looking for a slot receiver, you get him right away. You have a guy that Josh will trust. He suddenly, even if he's the slot guy, he suddenly becomes Josh's number two target. He passes and Dave Davis. Von, right Von Miller quadrupled down saying in a, in a Twitch video game chat that he had just talked to. The Bills need, they, I, I would hope that Brandon Bean is going to go all in. I don't if if he wants two three years, give him two three years. I'm okay with paying OBJ at this time of his career, two three years. I, I trust he has that many years of good football left him and left in him. And I look at it right now. Gabe Davis is such a tough guy to 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 evaluate. He's a big play threat, but I don't think he's your possession number two receiver. He's a guy that can put up a thousand yards. But he's also a guy that can drop a critical pass when you need it in the third quarter. He does not always get separation. He makes a ton of great plays down the field. Huge vertical threat. 
I think Josh needs another guy that he can trust on third and six. Yeah, he does. And I think it takes pressure off of Gabe Davis, though, in those situations. That's what I'm saying. Davis can cook in those situations because now defenses are focused on Stefan. They're going to focus on OBJ and ahead of Gabe Davis if OBJ is healthy. Gabe Davis goes off them. Who are you going to take out? That The Bills' offense was at its best the last two years when they had a dominant slot guy, and they were even better last year when they had uh, Emmanuel Sanders cooking at times. It's almost a necessity. I'm hoping uh, for the sake of the Bills that they get some good news with them in the upcoming weeks. It's interesting to see um, what what I almost think terms necessary. It's interesting to see how um, – how much he's willing to do uh, this year. He said it's said to be $5 million this year per his agent. And it's said to be, you know, wanting at least some term if OBJ wants it. So we'll see how it turns out uh, over the course of the next two weeks. Can you address um, these real quick? The, yeah. I don't think OBJ signs with Buffalo and he might not. I think Dallas is uh, definitely a threat. Do you think weather plays a role? I mean, they had Green Bay in the running before, they started sucking. Kansas City is supposedly in the in the running. They're not no. a warm climate. New York is Dallas. In the running. Is I don't Dallas. think weather is going to be the deciding factor. I think it's where does he fit in? Where I think the Packers and the Rams be? sucking brought it to the Dallas or the Bills. I really do. Um, I really think that that's – the Giants have a chance? No. He's not going to play his four games with Daniel Jones. The, 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 the Giants haven't scored over 24 points once. They've gone once and one win. Like he's not going to go play defensive running football with Saquon Barkley. That's not where he wants to go for four long-term. Maybe if he goes, if they give him a six year deal, sure. They're back in. Um, But I I don't, I don't see it on, on a case of one to one and a half years. I don't see. And you know how Bill's fans are going to react if he doesn't go to Buffalo after everything that Von Miller has said. I don't know. Like I I respect Von. I I like Von. Von says he's he's not going to be chapped. He's going to be chapped. I think Vaughn is a very good communicator. I think he is in a smart, intelligent, uh, obviously an incredible athlete. But the one thing I don't know if Vaughn has picked up on, at least early on in his time in Buffalo, is the the living and dying through the team that Bills fans are. I, obviously, he's made comments about Bills Mafia being great and everything. But when he first came to training camp, he would refer to loving his teammates in LA and how it was a tough decision. And I respect him for being upfront and honest about that stuff. Lucky land casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha. In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
but there's a lot of people in the Bills fan base that get butt hurt when you're you're talking about oh it was a tough decision to come to Buffalo and you're you're complimenting your former team. There's a lot of part there's a lot of people in Buffalo that have inferiority complexes that that don't want to hear you talking good about anything other than than Buffalo. If OBJ ends up signing with Dallas or goes to the the Giants or the Chiefs. I do think there's going to be some Bills fans, a small a small amount, but I do think there's going to be some Bills fans that are going to be upset with Vaughn for feeling like they got played, fairly or unfairly. But they're gonna they're gonna hold him accountable by saying you basically guaranteed he was coming to Buffalo, and now we don't have him. I I, I think there's going to be a part of the fan base that's going to be upset with Vaughn if OBJ doesn't come here. Yeah, I mean, I I'm not saying it's right, but it's going to happen. I can't say it's wrong either, though. Like, I you're allowed to you're allowed to feel that way if you feel like he deliberately duped you and or he, Vaughn has he, some say over OBJ. All you can do is basically be the GM extension of the Bills, an assistant GM of the Bills. He can't. So really... you believe the hype, though? Like, you don't think I believe Vaughn that. is putting this out there? No, there's. Not... I don't think there's some negotiation tactic because I think there's a solid number that teams are willing to pay for him this year. I don't think that there's a big, a big, and there, there are definitely already rumored teams. You don't need the bills that come out there. Look, you have Dallas, Green Bay, um, you know, Green Bay sucking right now, but you have Dallas, Green Bay, Giants, KC. I don't know how much he adds to the, I don't. Lamont, Lamont. I respect you, but the bills do need OBJ right now. Their wide receiving core is out of, not out of pure depth. They have a, a top 10 unit. Isaiah Hodgins is now starting in New York. That's how bad their receiving core is. 63% of the snaps. You lost Kumaro to a high ankle sprain. You do need him. You have you How literally have four. You actually have confidence on in and on, on the Bills. I have confidence in two players. I got Stefan Diggs, who basically is being forced to do everything, and yep. I have confidence in Gabe Davis as a vertical threat. I you can't besides that. I don't have confidence in any other receiving weapon on the Bills right now. Like I think Dawson Knox is going to return to form, but I don't know. He's he's really only had one borderline elite season in his career. Singletary is a good weapon in the backfield, but he's not incredible as a pass catcher. He's decent. He's good. Cook has potential, but he's not there yet. Hines is not there yet. Uh, well, Brian, I'm, I'm sorry. If he is trolling, that's my bad. Um, but I'm. we've always said never can have enough weapons. And in, in Lamont, I don't know if you're trolling me or not, but – I'll, I'll just finish it up by saying if OBJ wants to come to Buffalo, I'm welcoming him. I'm giving him a bag of cash. I'm giving him whatever he wants to. And Mike, Mike, we were in on it. How about this, though? In the Going Deep podcast, we are in on it week three. This wasn't something that we came out of nowhere on when other people weren't. We had Our chat was roaring with people on, we don't need him. We're too talented. Where's he going to play? How's he going to get the ball? Like, we foreshadowed that on this Where's podcast. Isaiah McKenzie at right now? Like, we, yeah. we're talking all offseason. Who's going to step in for Cole? I miss Cole. Like, like, where's where's Crowder? I love Shakir. Why can't he get going? Like any of these situations. So all of them. Yes, this is why I wanted Odell Beckham Jr. to win the game. Like we need to win games now. We don't need to think about the future with Khalil Shakir yet. We will at some point. And so, it's not the same as Trey. It's not the same situation as Trey White. We saw Godwin in Tampa Bay get hurt, tears ACL after Trey, and he was back for the start of the regular season. And and he's still playing right now. The situation with Trey is unfortunate. It's it's disappointing. But some players take longer, and some players go through mental hurdles. And we have not been 
told enough specific information about what's going on with Trey, but I would tend to think he's most likely going through the mental hurdles of not trusting um, his body at this point in time. That's okay if the Bills can at least get him back at some point with their playoff push and then have him back for the playoffs. But OBJ, by all indications, has been cleared by by doctors and feels like he is ready to contribute soon. So I'm not going to hold OBJ to the same timetable that another player had with an ACL recovery. And if he's ready to go out there and he can play at the level, I'm not even saying like 100% OBJ when he was tearing things up. If he can be 85% of what what he was, take him. Well, if if you want to continue this conversation, subscribe to One Pass. Slack channel's roaring. We have some amazing content in the Slack channel. It's worth it alone. A crazy nice shirt. Classes with Eric, all of us, you know, get an exclusive questions in, get one pass a shot. We don't know what's going to happen with Twitter out there right now. Get into, get into a community, really strong Slack channel. It is roaring on game days. It's roaring all year round. Get in there. It's as fun as anything. It's really more educated Twitter with really good bills. People, you don't have to deal with fake dolphins, um, Twitter people that are in your mentions for no reason, insecure. So get on there, get into one pass, really great really great uh, all-encompassing uh, solution would really love for you guys to entertain and be in our slack channel and to continue some of these talks that mike's having about alan and obj and others so we have the film room coming up here next no no um, film room today oh nope. no film room today that okay. was uh he'll have he'll be coming out with some stuff later in the week but no film room gotcha. today and i do one final thing one final yeah. thing because i yeah, know we ahead. do have to wrap up just want to answer this question why isn't poyer on ir simple answer the Bills are hoping to get him back at some point. Obviously, uh, he's not on the field right now. It's not looking good um, at the current moment. But the Bills do expect him to be back on the field at one point. There's a lot involved uh, in it with Jordan Poirier. But uh, at this point, I don't, I don't think this week. Optimistic. But I, do, I don't think this week. But I do think you'll see him um, at some point in December. I the do. injury was worse than what. The Bills made it seem to be. It's, it does, it's but he's hitting game three. And I will say, why isn't he on IR to to save a roster? They need him. Why They need a roster. Yeah. Why? The, the Bills, the, you know, it's tough. That would show me that they expect him to play next. The week. Bills were irresponsible with how they've kind of addressed it. I, I don't even want to say irresponsible. They can, they can handle it however they want from a PR standpoint. When the Bills, when Brandon Bean said Poirier was day-to-day, that was never even close to the truth. That was never close to the truth. They knew that wasn't close to the truth. But there is an expectation that he will be back at at some point. Because if it was a season ender, if it was something where they didn't expect him to come back, then you would. You would put him on IR. You'd free up a roster spot and you'd move forward from there. So the Bills are trying to trying to play the waiting game and hope, hope – hoping can't even get words out right now that he can eventually come back and make an impact on their run uh, to hopefully a Super Bowl. And there is, it's eight and the bills aren't close to it yet. They're going elevated a few back PUP doesn't count in Trey's case. So you're talking about literally returning uh, Xavier Rhodes back from the IR. Um, so it's not really uh, a huge, they have actually been pretty lenient on not using any of those IR spots to the point where they're going to run out of them anyways. So I can't, 
Um, I don't think there's going to be any, you know, you have Stevenson, you're, you might, if you don't get OBJ, you're going to activate Stevenson then uh, with one of those IR spots. So it's not a huge deal. Ike Butker is supposed to return here. He's on PUP. Will you see Jamison Crowder? I don't think any of those scenarios. So there's not, uh, you know, you're not going to really elevate a lot of people from the IR. You haven't used uh, many of those spots at all. So I do think that there's definitely uh, a few spots to be had in the IR room. I can't even think of anyone other than Rhodes coming off of IR um, to be that they've already utilized. So I don't, I don't believe that there's any scenario where there uh, that would be um, the reason as if you came up against it, I would get into that. Um, we've heard Rhodes does count against the practice squad because he was on the practice squad. IR freed up a spot for the bills to use his spot on the practice squad with another practice squad player. So it does count to take them off of that and put him back on the practice squad without having to relinquish his rights, because while he's on that IR, he can't be signed. So that's why um, I do believe that that's counts. Even if it, then, if then it's, then it's quite literally zero if it doesn't count. Cause I can't think of someone that's been elevated, uh, not off a of PUP that would count against the bills limit that they're not going to hit. Um, so I don't believe that's why I think there is some serious discussions between Poyer, his agent contract, the team playing through injury, not, just just so many factors that you know we 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 were not privy to how that's going to play out he could be anywhere from on the field sunday which i don't anticipate to another eight weeks uh more toward the playoffs or anywhere in between so we don't we really don't know uh where that could all play out based on what has been rumored and what we've heard so we're hoping for the best and i've said this on uh buffalo late night we need what which i was on yesterday we need trey to be ready to play asap He's taken up now an active roster spot. You can't have him and Poyer taking up active roster spots. You need to make a move to someone on IR and, or you need to start activating players um, to the, uh, to, to game day rosters because Trey white might've done enough to make a difference uh, on uh, against the Vikings game. So Mike really great show. We were here for an hour and 40 minutes and it's a long edition for us. And we appreciate everybody staying with this conversation. We need you guys to join one pass and get into the Slack channel to continue this and going on. And we're going to have a lot to talk about next week on Tuesday, a game preview next week for sure to preview the Thanksgiving game against the Lions. I'll have a fun Lions guest for 30 minutes. And then uh, we also, that was a long time ago, but we appreciate Pete, uh, Pete Smith uh, from sports illustrated. Um, from coming on here to talk Browns, which was really, and he had a lot of good info packed into that 30 minutes. So make sure you rewind on demand. Everyone, all your listeners rewind to the beginning and hit like, like, like hit that like smash, button, smash that like button. Um, generally we're up against the film room, but not today. So we, we felt like we could fill in some time uh, for the cover one crew, but from the cover one podcast, now we're Kevin, this Mike Bunt. Appreciate you guys from helping me hit six K plus on Twitter. It's a cool milestone. I know it's not as big as some of the big guys, but I really appreciate getting up into that number as it's been fun to interact with all of you guys here on the going deep podcast as we're hitting close to 50 shows soon, Mike. So we're ramping up and we're getting up there on our weekly edition. So we're really looking forward to the preview of the lions, hopefully eight and three dolphins, hard stretch bills getting into it would be really fun to be where they need to be at eight and three and alleviate some of these issues. So Kevin and Mike, Appreciate everybody being here today. And we're really looking forward to coming at you with a preview of Thanksgiving Day game with the Lions after a big Browns victory. Whether or not, literally, I don't think it matters. So we'll see what's able to happen there. But from the Going Deep Podcast, Cover One Podcast Network, check out One Pass. Have a great night, everybody. And we'll check you here 7 o'clock next Tuesday. Josh Allen. 
Looking deep, going deep. To me, talking about the Bills, what else would you rather be doing? We're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the Cover One Network. Slings it deep down now I just want to talk about this championship level. I've never had a championship caliber team to talk about. I want to focus more on the storylines each week. What are the big stories going on with the Bills? What are uh, thoughts, commentary? How do these things impact Buffalo? Deep drop. Deep throw. And it is pulled in for the touchdown. Allen deep to the end zone and caught for a touchdown. Play action. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.